Hi everyone, this is Johnson Chong and I'm here with Delphine Supanya at Sage House in Singapore and we wanted to do our first podcast, a conversational podcast about embracing change and shifting and evolving. Um, some of the other podcasts you've seen on the site have been meditational, guided or philosophical and um, today we're really going to have a dialogue about what's really been happening in our lives because not only has it been affecting us, it's been happening in parallel um, ways in our clients' lives, um, in our friends' lives and so it, it was just such a big sign that we thought that we should sit down and talk about what's been happening um, in our lives. So what's been going on with you, Delphine? Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, it's been a very interesting few months. Um, we've noticed lots of shifts, even personally, on the physical, emotional, energetic level. Um, and things have been quite challenging for quite a lot of us. Um, and personally, um, yeah, I've been experiencing physical changes um, that include... Ten, you know, muscular tension, um, bone realignments, um, which weren't there before. Uh, so, yeah, I'd like to talk about that today and what you can do about it. Um, and first thing of all things, don't panic. Um, interesting, um, because Delphine, for those of you who don't know, recovered from a stroke when the doctors told her that she would be paralyzed when she was 28 after working really long stressful hours in a corporate environment um, as a lawyer and um, it, she went on this whole personal journey um, that actually was a change process that allowed her to do what she is today as, as a coach as a facilitator and helping people through emotional shifts and so um, I think when our clients come to us for help or guidance or healing um, or coaching, consulting um, to better their lives. I think people forget that we're also people too and that we're also experiencing these shifts that are happening all around us, be it the stars or be it, you know, I don't know, whatever. Maybe it's in the Kool-Aid that everyone's drinking, uh, <laughs> that we're all uh, having very parallel stories. Um, and I think one of the things that we can do during these times of big shifts is look at the changes from a different perspective. Um, I love what the Dalai Lama says about impermanence. He says this beautiful thing about the only thing that is permanent in this universe is impermanence, which is basically, you know, saying and rallying behind, embrace the change. Um, and, I think that the more that we can stop and pause to reflect and also to process the sensations that are happening in our bodies, the less panicky we, we, we will be. So Delphine, what's been actually happening in your, in your physical um, life, in your, well, what's been changing in you, these bone shifts? So um, I recently had a miscarriage, which uh, awakened a lot of old wounds. Uh, very trauma traumatic wounds from the past um, and and actually it was very interesting because I started to notice how having recovered from the stroke and actually learning about the physical body with Johnson and how to realign it and engage the muscles um, you know have neurological responses that are more normal than what I had been used to um, before um, 
it was this massive shift because the body goes into postnatal uh, state and so because it brought up all of these issues like these past memories these past traumas I noticed that my hips were actually inverting so I had this my knees collapsed in and then my entire hips rotated inwards um, and so it's been really interesting because then my feet became weaker and then it reflected on my back my neck um, and so and so yeah it's been it's been it's been quite challenging um, especially since my earlier recovery was so swift and strong and 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 um, and you know when you think it's funny we talk about change and impermanence uh, you think you got somewhere and then you get some sort of arrogance where you say oh well yeah I'm strong and nothing can hurt me anymore and then boom <laughs> something else comes along and, and and sort of humbles you back to looking at yourself taking time um, and and taking care of yourself and so actually these are moments where you get to pause and look and um, yeah process and look inwards I think you brought up a really interesting point about lessons that there are things that happen in our lives events that happen in our lives where we feel oh, okay we've learned that lesson why are we going through something that seems like we've already learned um, and I, I myself have experienced that with, um, I, I didn't have a stroke. I didn't have, um, <laughs> you know, anything as uh, massive as that. But I have myself had lots of physical injuries, um, joint injuries. Um, and the, the main thing that's been coming up is about flexibility, right? First and foremost, I'm a yogi. I'm a mover. I come from a acting background, a theater background, a dance background, martial arts background. And so I, I've always moved my entire life. Um, and so movement to me is energy and for me to not be able to move stops me dead in my tracks. And in the past five years, my body has changed tremendously. I, I moved to Singapore, uh, five, five years ago about, and that summer before I moved, I was actually in the North of India recovering from a, a lower spinal injury from, um, aerial dance. Um, I had, uh, kind of misaligned L1 and L2 of my lumbar and I had an x-ray and my bones had actually shifted off alignment. And so I was seeing this natural um, osteopath who was integrating a lot of kundalini yoga based work, martial arts conditioning. Um, and um, also he was doing Ayurvedic based work, internal organ shifting, very homeopathic and very organic, uh, natural approach to healing the body. And then I started after that, I was like, oh, okay, great. I feel brand new. And then of course, you know, a year later, something else happens, you know, then, then there goes a knee, there goes the ankle again. And then I tear a shoulder and then the, the ACL and the meniscus goes. And I think, um, you know, we, we think that once we recover from something like a massive change, like an injury that kind of puts you uh, out of commission for a little bit where, you know, if you love moving and you can't move all of a sudden, I think that change that happens in the physical body is related to how you then, um, how you can, it's an opportunity, basically. It's an opportunity to see uh, what does that mean? Why did I get injured? And, and a lot of people go, oh, that's an accident. Um, and I don't believe in accidents. Um, from a spiritual perspective, um, there's no accidents. There, there's only opportunities to shift and grow. And the common denominator in all of these issues that I've had with my joints has been that I tend to run faster than my body allows. I try to push myself over the limit 
it's my ego that I have to constantly put in check. And if I don't, I literally hurt myself or the universe comes in and takes one of my knees out of commission. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I have to sit back. And during those times, you know, it was a lot of contemplation. I weaved a lot. I did a lot of introspection, a lot of meditation to figure out what what is going on here. And the base line of all of this was myself. That I'm, that I'm in a place of trying to force and will something into being that wasn't ready to be. Um, and I don't have to go into specifics about, you know, what was going on in my life, but I think everyone can relate to the themes of, of, uh, trying to force things when they're not ready. Yeah. And then actually it's even more interesting because then you do that over and over again. And then you realize, and the most positive things of them all is you bounce back every single time and I'm even finding that you're bouncing back faster every time or more gracefully and so it's like enjoy the fall and enjoy getting up even more uh, because you do learn so 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 much Uh, and even us as facilitators or coaches every single time we we get to have another challenge in our lives we get to learn more and then we get to deepen our understanding of of what we actually share with the world um, so that everybody can benefit and be inspired as much as we are by our own experiences, really. Do you have any practical things that you do during transitions when you feel like you're going through a shift? Yes, there are many things that I do. Um, So I like to tone. Every morning I wake up, I tone for about 15 to 20 minutes, um, just using my center line and having my my vocal cords ring out everything that seems stuck in my body. Um, and then also, especially, I I make time for myself. Mm-hmm. I think that's the main, 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 main thing is, you know, a lot of us, and even me in the past, had this tendency of running away from myself. Um, and so in those times, because your body is telling you to slow down and take a moment, actually, the... The, the most important thing you can do is, 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 is to be with yourself and slow down and do what you need um, and, and be in tune with that. And what if toning is a little bit strange for someone to do? What, what, what exactly is it about toning that grounds and centers? Okay. I mean, <laughs> I know it's a, it's a strange, like, okay, you get up in the morning and you, and then you start you hum is it is it singing yes it's like um it's like a singing i connect to any 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 part on my center line which i feel is a bit stuck so for instance i don't know um sometimes my diaphragm is tight or sometimes my stomach is tight so i'll focus on that area and then i'll make a sound like a, it'll usually be a vowel um and then and then i i i, I make a sound that's ringing out from my vocal cords but i'm imagining the straight line where sound is moving towards the area I'm focusing on sure. and all the way along the line. And I like to imagine that my that center line connects to the center of the universe and the center of the earth so that actually I get this feeling of elongation, of, 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 of connection and elongation of myself. And so, yeah. Sure. I, I don't actually think it's that weird if you compare it to um, what 
actors and theater artists and performance artists have to prepare um, or how they prepare. Um, I am a professionally trained actor and we had to do a lot of this imagery work in preparing for performances um, in voice class and in, um, in dynamic movement classes and movement exploration classes. We had to use imagery in such a way and also send sounds. And so um, if you're not a person who resonates so much with, you know, getting up in the morning and like, oh, you're just going to start chanting. It's not necessarily that. It's it's about feeling what is happening in the body and then using your imagination to create space if there's a lack of space in that particular area. And perhaps then, like you said, elongating the center line, which is just another way of saying to create more space in between the, the facets of the spine, right? So you can sit taller, you don't have to slouch, um, you don't feel compressed, you don't have pain. Um, so that you can go about your day and do what you have to do. And what you said about taking time to scan I think scanning is really important to see what actually is there. That's really important. But I find that a lot of people don't know how to scan. And I think that that's, that's why yoga has been so popular. Inner guidance processes, like the inner work that you and I both do through inner guidance and through inner voyage is really picking up now because people are a little bit disconnected from their original gut instinct of knowing like, okay, Something is off. Something's wrong. So I'm going to go do something about it. But I think people are so desensitized now from just the pace of how life is moving, especially in Singapore and, and other places that are urban-like, um, that there's no connection to any sort of uh, of like feeling. Their people are numb. I find that a lot of clients who come to me are numb to what is actually going on under the surface. Have you had any experience with that? Yes, 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 of course. Uh, a lot of people that come um, are so disconnected and then also they feel like what I hear a lot is, oh, I feel that something is wrong with me. Should I go to the doctor? Should I take some medication? And so it's really interesting with medication because a lot of them on a chemical level cut the messages that the brain sends to the body um, because what does the body really do? It's, it, it tells you what is wrong uh, when you're ignoring something. It's like... A, it's like the signaling system that is only here to actually help us. But because the level of disconnect is so big, what I've been noticing is, and what I used to do when, when I was sick uh, many, many years ago, um, was we then take these medications and cut the signal off even more. And so people get more and more disconnected. And so, um, yeah, the, the, the things that we offer now are meant to re reestablish these neurological connections. Um, like even the other week, um, someone came to me who was on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication, which in essence cut away the distress signals that the body sends so that you feel less anxious or, or, or depressed. Um, and, and, and going into the system and facilitating the system is at the beginning more challenging. However, through guided or through our guidance and, 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 and these processes that we facilitate, I am finding that it is quick and completely possible to reestablish those lost connections. And you, know, you brought up this thing about how the way that we are conditioned by um, society um, and our society says, oh, you're ill. So here are these pills to take away the symptoms. And those symptoms are actually safeguarding or they're actually pointing uh, a pathway to, to where you need to go and where you need to heal. 
um, because that's what they're there for. And I definitely remember very distinctly when I was in Singapore General Hospital, when I was taken to the emergency room, when I broke my knee, I was trampolining, I was doing something very silly and I was being very competitive with a friend and I snapped my knee um, in two places. I tore my ACL, which is that X band that crosses um, through the kneecap and it basically holds the lower half, the, the shin and the femur together. And then there's the meniscus, which is on the inside. And so that, uh, that also tore. And so I had these two tears. Um, and as soon as I went in, they wanted to drug me up on all these painkillers. And I refused. And they looked at me very strangely. I'm like, I want to feel the pain. And I think that's a very rebellious thing to say. Um, and it might even sound a bit masochistic, but I think that is the key to teach people and to guide people on how that uh, to, to embrace change. When pain comes, the first thing that we do, that we're trained to do, is to run away from it. But if we do the opposite, we actually then understand the pain and we understand what the pain is teaching us. The pain was there to tell me not to step in a certain way, not to hold my weight in a certain way. It, it, it told me how to carry my leg with my, you know, how, how to sit, how to, you know, how, walk through with my crutches. Um, and so it went like that all the way for like three months where I had to go see an orthopedic surgeon and they instantly said, you need surgery. You need to uh, cut away um, 30% of your meniscus and we need to graft a piece of your hamstring, cut that open and then stitch it on and make a new ACL. Um, and you know, I did my research and my due diligence and I figured out like, no, I don't want to do that. And so I spent three months rehabbing myself through the movement work that I do from yoga and Pilates. And I strengthened the structure of my knee naturally. And, you know, to much of their surprise, they were like, oh, it's actually quite stable. You don't need surgery right now. <laughs> um, you probably would need surgery if you want to do more, uh, unstable competitive sports like skiing or soccer. And they were quite surprised. You know, most people, you know, the doctor tells them what to do. They trust the doctor and they say, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and I think when these changes happen to our physical body, there is a level of discernment that we have to um, take responsibility for. And if we don't and we let other people make the decisions for us, we suffer. And now it's about, you know, two plus years after that incident. And I went in for a natural a stem cell treatment um, in India that didn't do anything invasive. It didn't cut anything out of me. It literally took parts of me that were naturally mine and they redistributed them, you know, the stem cells into those areas. And um, with that and also all the rehabilitative stuff I've done, I've, I'm now pain-free. Like I don't have pain in my knee joint. I don't have pain in my shoulder. Um, and I think that's also key when change happens. It's discernment. It's making decisions for ourselves and yes this is like a joint thing um, and some people are going through other issues that may seem more severe but I, I don't I don't compare things as better than or worse than it, it all falls under the same equation like you you have an issue you look at the underlying roots of the issue in what is happening in the external world and in the internal world. There's this yogic principle that um, we, we, we talk about, and it comes from the yoga sutras, it comes from all the spiritual masters, and they talk about how the external world is shaped by our internal world and vice versa, 
And actually, Einstein actually said this too. Um, Einstein, a uh, brilliant man, right? He said, he said that the world as we have created it is a process of our thinking and it can't be changed without changing our thinking. And this is all quantum science. Um, uh, so I just think it's absolutely pivotal for our, uh, our evolutionary, um, our, our betterment as, as humankind to, to embrace the pain. And it's not just about embracing, really, because also what I'm finding... So I had um, uh, autoimmune disease called fibromyalgia from 13 to 28, uh, which is all about pain and, 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 and having nerves fire up and, and my own um, nervous system be on red alert so that actually anything would just be a threat and my body would react to it. Um, it is now gone, but I'm noticing that a lot of people... And you were saying, you know, we, we are taught to, f to run away from pain. But what I'm even finding now is people mistake sensations for pain when it's actually maybe stagnation or, uh, an, or an emotion that is stuck or unexpressed joy, sometimes joy or unexpressed anger. Um, I, I explore a lot of the sensory work um, in, in, in conscious connection um, classes where uh, we teach how how to reconnect with you know uh, the smallest sensation of the skin um, and just slightest touch that um, produces all of these happy hormones um, that a human body just naturally secretes and which you know if you're feeling a, a sensation and you're like oh it's pain often if you just run your fingers very slightly through them the endorphins and all of these hormones that we secrete naturally will actually get rid of it in a second. But people are, are find, finding, and it's about you know embracing it and seeing it for what it actually is, and not for what we have been educated, um, like how how we've been educated to look at it. And I definitely see that too in teaching clients conscious movement. The Pilates work is very mind centered. It's about precision, it's about alignment, it's about you need to know what's happening at any single point in time with your body and how you command your body to move because essentially it's about responsibility for your actions. That's what Pilates is teaching you on a physical level. And if you are flexible in the mind, you're going to be flexible in the body. If you're strong in the mind, you'll be strong in the body. It's a reflection. Again, it's the as above, so below. And a lot of times people always go, oh, it's pain, 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 pain. It's like, then my job is to discern, okay, is that actually pain or is that you just, you know, tapping out because you can't handle a little bit of a stretch or, or do you know what pain is? So then I have to ask um, questions like, is that sharp? Does it feel like it's pulling? Does it feel like a stretch? Is it, does it feel contractive? Does it feel like the, the kind of feeling when you're lifting up a bag? Like, what is it? And people have trouble identifying it because I think people um, were not taught this. We weren't taught this kindergarten from kindergarten all the way to like high school. We went to school to learn how to not feel. Everything in our education system is about not feeling. It's like bury your head in a book 
And here are all these non-practical tools. Okay, I did really, really good in school. I was very academic. I did like even calculus. Like, and I was good at it, but it didn't, it didn't give me any real life skills. Do I use calculus now? No, I'm not like an astrophysicist. <laughs> so, um, do I use chemistry? No, I mean, some of the concepts kind of like help me understand certain things. But I mean, the point is like we, we weren't given the tools to learn how to observe what's happening in us. We, we didn't go to an intuition class. As, as children. I mean, we naturally are intuitive. We know, oh, mommy, this hurts or mommy, this feels strange. And, and if you look at children, it's, it's, they're very descriptive about, and they're very honest about what they're feeling. And then somehow, and I find, especially in Singapore, you know, you speak to a client and everything, the only word they use is pain. And in Chinese, um, pain is like, you know, in Chinese, actually, there's like different levels of pain right but it's always like shun shun is like sour it's like oh there's a sour kind of pain and it's like is it really or is it um like there needs to be uh, a clarity of how we use our language to express what we're feeling and i find language so important um to name what's happening if we can't name it we can't experience it for what it is and if we can't experience it then it stays in us a little bit longer in our system our mind, our body, our emotions, and then we can't clear it. Yeah, completely. And then, and it's really interesting because even you know, if you if you then look at headaches, you know, people get headaches, um, and sometimes, yeah, you may have slept, you know, with your head tilted a little bit, and then and then somehow, you know, your 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 cervicals moved or your vertebrae moved, and and yeah, and then you wake up, and 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 circulation and oxygenation to your head actually is limited. So things that you can do are little movements or even you know i find what helps me a lot is if i have anything that seems to feel like pain i'm like oh hi um let's see if i can move you around so i will i will connect to 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 that sensation and i would actually take an imaginary knife and spread it like butter Or, or 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 you know um yeah, spread, spread that sensation and see if it wants to move up, down, in or out. And then often I'm finding, oh, I'm actually helping things within myself move. And, and then that sensation goes because it was actually just stuck. Um, and so, and so there, there are a lot of little things that you can do on an everyday and very practical basis, uh, which can help with, you know, dissociating any sort of sensation from the word pain. And then, and then really seeing it for what it is. And in our meditation classes, when we teach students how to meditate, I think meditation is a bit scary for people who are new to the method. Um, not the method, but like the practice, because meditation has many different styles. It has many different ways of, of, of practicing. I, I, I try to stay away from the word doing meditation because it's, it's not really a doing. Meditation in the beginning feels like a doing, but in the beginning, the doing is actually doing that, like what you said, imagining. So actually it should really be called creativity and imagination class because what we're trying to entrain people is to give them the vocabulary and the pathways in their own mind to see how things are, how they really are. And through listening to meditation audios um, that are very visual, they're visualization exercises, and you, if you're able to follow them, um, great. And if you're not, that's okay. You practice until you're able to experience whatever is real for you. Um, and then over time, there's there's something that shifts because now we're able to 
visualize what's happening underneath the skin, in the bones, in the blood. And when that happens, we can start to shift the way we relate to change in the world, like the way our relationships change, or if we got fired, or if we're leaving this job, or if we're moving countries, then we can apply the same principles to the emotions we're feeling about those things and not react to, you know, changes in, in, a, in, in an angry way or in an explosive way that is, um, that can be a bit off-putting and not necessarily, you know, good for relationships, right? So I think that that's why I'm so, I'm such an advocate for, for the body, like body-centered awareness in the beginning, because when people really get it, it translates into all aspects of how they perceive things around them and how they live their life, how they breathe. Um, and, and I think that's one of the most practical things that, that we can probably impart onto people is imagination. Imagination is key. And if people have a hard time imagining, you know, you got to get yourself to a meditation class and, and, and learn how to visualize. I mean, it is, it's, it's really important, don't um, you think? Yes, yes, definitely. And actually, if you look at children and us, uh, I don't know if you've had the the sort of chance that like I did that your parents just filmed you all day I have so many hours of footages of me as a child <laughs> and I was actually lucky enough to be able to watch uh, you know a child or and and children don't need anybody else to access their imagination they're constantly in there they have a few toys on the floor and they will make up the stories and um, and the power of the mind is humongous in, in a self-healing process, in, 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 in even learning anything, because how, as humans, the mind needs to understand for anything to happen, really, because, yeah, we can do things unconsciously or, 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 um, or, or you know, but then I guess the power of it really lies in, 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 in understanding some things from a from a from a really mental perspective, so that you can then transform them. Because if you understand structure and how things work, and 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 just by the simple fact that you can access your imagination and change your entire perspective, you can see something negatively or a glass half empty. If you access your imagination, you fill it up with something really nice. Then 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 everything has really shifted. And 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 so playing with that um, during meditation classes or in your own time um, really helps. You know shift perspectives and not get attached and and stuck uh, on on just on just that one perspective which in a lot of people's cases may seem really dark i think that's a good way to describe meditation as um and it is about shifting perspective and the mind as you said is filtering our experience as humans that's what it does it gives reason and it gives structure to that which we cannot explain and that is the purpose of the mind and it's very useful for accounting it's very useful to you know build a house or you know to look at the timetable for when the bus comes that's what that mind does however when we're making decisions about purpose or um what excites us, what fulfills us, we start to then use the mind to think about those things. And when we do, um, and, and we do that for change, like, you know, and most of the time when people are fearing change, I find anyway, when I fear change, like, for example, today, I had this 
very strange experience. Not strange. I wouldn't say it's strange, but I haven't had this in a while because I'm, I'm quite grounded. I've been quite grounded for a while. And I was sitting in the cafe and I was typing, you know, and editing the remains of my book, not the remains, the remainder. <laughs> um, and, um, so I started shaking. My hands were shaking and I was quivering. And I realized that, oh, wow, I'm so engrossed in my mind that I am not like listening to what my body is saying. My body is saying it needs to chill out. Don't do so much. And so I stopped and I, and then I, I, I kind of shut the computer and I went inside and I looked and I'm like, whoa, I feel really sad right now. Um, and I feel very jittery also. I felt very anxious and sad. And then I, and then I was like, what is this sadness about? So I inquired. So I went in and I started asking questions. And for me, my mind doesn't really work with words. Some people, you know, they, they actually hear words. I, I see sensation. Like I, I see it and then, and then I feel it and then I hear it. And so it, it, it's like, it's a different kind of, it's a sensory language that I'm speaking inside. I don't really use language inside. And so I'm in there dialoguing with the emotions of sadness and of that jittery anxiousness. And what it was telling me was I'm, I'm kind of sad that there's so many changes that are happening in your life, though you're, you're really excited for them. Like you, you and your rational part of yourself is really, you know, you're very excited that there's these big shifts, you know, I'm, I'm completing a book right now. I'm launching some programs and, you know, there's a lot of shifts happening in my life. And, um, and, and so that part of myself wanted, the emotional part of myself wanted to grieve that change. Um, and then there was that anxious part that was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? I don't really know what's going to be beyond that door. What happens if you take that step? So there was this other part of me that was nervous for me to break out of the, the norm for, for what I've known for the past five years being in Singapore. And, and the book is a huge uh, shift because I, I just launched the pre-sale of my book yesterday and we sold in 24 hours 100 copies which is fantastic and so there was this oh my god oh my god wow so life is changing like there's it's like my book's gonna get published it's like what does that mean and <laughs> it's like what is this gonna bring and there was so much excitement that I forgot about you know the other things like, well well if this is gonna happen then that means I won't be this way anymore and so then that, that part of myself needed a grief. So I sat down and then I, you know, I, I, I actually sent a message to Rebecca, our mutual friend who was in the area. And it's totally out of my character. I don't normally ask people like, hey, can you come here? And I just want to like have a chat with you just because I know like you're, you're physically the closest person I know. <laughs> so it was, okay, come, let's have a coffee and let's, let's talk about this. And, and we did. And so we had, we had a heart to heart and then we talked about some things. And then the sensations started to shift. And I think that is the key. Give ourselves time, like you said in the beginning. Identify what it is. Ask it some questions. Visualize it. Where is it? Where in your body is it sitting? For me, it was all around my heart and my uh, belly area, around all of my vital organs. And that's where the palpitations were. And then process it. And processing, you know, it, it sounds a bit dry, but... What, what I think processing and how I experience processing is simply that, experience it. 
So I literally sat there and people were just looking at me like, what is this guy shaking? Like in the middle of the coffee shop. It's like, well, maybe you don't shake or maybe your, your processing of things are different. But for me, it's very physical. And so, you know, my hand's going off and it looks like I'm waving at someone, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm just shaking. And so I gave myself that time. And then those feelings of sadness and of jittery anxiousness dissipated because I gave them the chance to speak their story. And most people, if they just did that, in, in, we wouldn't hold on to all of this suffering because then we identify with the emotions. And that, I feel, is a really hard lesson to um, unlearn because we, we think that we are the anger or we are the sadness. And then we go through like really long, drawn-out phases of it instead of experiencing it, letting it speak its story, and then moving on. Yes, and even, you know, before you move on, accepting that it was your experience and that you learned things from it. And, 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 and so that, you know, you're looking at it, you're like, oh, hi, you know. <laughs> um, hey, experience, I've had you, I've accepted you. Thank you for teaching me so many things. And then, and then, and then yeah, the release happens. Like yesterday, um, so I, um, I just bought a flat and I'm renovating it and I've been running around, um, you know, like buying things like toiletries and, and, and tiles and, and, and the kitchen and, and I'm having to think about lighting and, and, you know, it's a beautiful process and it's supposed to be really fun. But um, I've been really overwhelmed uh, for the last two weeks because of recent events and, 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 and health-wise. I had this thing happen uh, early in uh, this year, um, the miscarriage, and so and so... It's been weeks where I've been just running around, running around, running around, running around. And then yesterday I sat at the museum. I sat down on the steps um, because I was on my way uh, from one place to another. And then I just said, I sat there and I screamed, I am overwhelmed for the first time in weeks. <laughs> and it's really interesting because as I said it, acknowledged it and accepted it, that whole weight I've been feeling on my shoulders lifted. It just it like washed off and I could breathe again. Um, and so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really important to, however it happens, um, take the time to acknowledge, identify and acknowledge and accept anything that happens because, yeah, it's as simple as that. Um, not easy to do. And, and then people like to beat themselves up. Sometimes I do as well. And then even accept that. It's like, okay, I've been beating myself up for not accepting, for dragging this out. And as soon as I acknowledge that, it sort of washes away again. Um, and so, so yeah, it's a very powerful tool, actually, um, acceptance. And I think if we apply all of that to moments of great change in our lives, then it, it's actually just the same, isn't it? Like when, when, when these things happen in our, our lives, like the, the feeling of being overwhelmed because now you have a new flat and you have to do everything by yourself actually because you're moving into the flat by yourself right and i'm launching this big project and it's completely different it's out of what i know I mean, i've never published a book before um and so when we're moving into an area that is outside of our our comfort zone and we feel overwhelmed that is that's a great change but also with that change there's a great opportunity to grow and but in the growing we go through growing pains 
And that feeling of being overwhelmed, my feeling of jittery, anxious, sadness, that that's part of the growing pains. And I think like if anyone is going through a major shift right now, there's going to be growing pains and people make it seem like meditation practices and, you know, all this like inner peace, the way it's marketed is like, you know, you're sitting there, you look really happy, you have a smile on your face, but the process to get there is not, not always that picturesque, right? So, and I, I like to like remind people that it's okay to feel not okay. We're, we're not always okay. Um, today I wasn't that okay and then I was okay. And the same went for you. And it really is about that, about accepting and allowing. I know we went off on a very long tangent going from the physical and then going into, um, you know, your miscarriage. And then we went into my physical stuff. But I think it was important because there were, um, there were external changes that were happening in our physical body that actually were signs of something that was going on a little bit deeper than what was actually happening on the surface. So I hope that was helpful for those of you who are experiencing uh, big shifts right now. And just remember to take a breath, take some time out and scan what's happening. And also, um, one of the biggest things that I've learned this last three months is it's okay to ask for help. You know, and be supported and reach out to people. Like Johnson called Rebecca today. Um, I've been reaching out to other people as well. Like whatever works and, 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 and creates a space for us to, to be acknowledging all of these things that are happening um, is key. Great. Thank you so much for being here with me, Delphine. Thank you, Johnson. Okay, we'll see you next time on Sage Sapien.